I was, attention was called to the book of Acts chapter 26, and uh, it's really something how God is placing this on my heart as we're coming to the end of the year, uh, and I'm going to talk about uh, awareness, we're going to talk about our eyes being, in fact, I'm using as a title to open their eyes, or, uh, and I'm emphasizing the fact that God wants us to be awake, alert, and aware as we come to the end of 2023. Uh, understand what God is wanting to do. Pay attention to every word He's spoken. The Bible says, take heed how you hear, and then it says, take heed what you hear first, and then it says, take heed how you hear, because by the same measure, it should be measured to you again. But here in Acts chapter 26, verse 12, this is uh, Paul testifying before King Agrippa, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. As he testified before King Agrippa, he said, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me, and those who journeyed with me, and when we had all fallen, had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, a Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? Uh, and I like the fact that he recognized it was the Lord. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, and I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you've seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To open their eyes, that's the part I'm going to hone in on, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. But the emphasis is on that, that little piece of Scripture where it says to open their eyes. I want to talk about that part because we can delve into this Scripture, and the more I look at it, the more I see into that Scripture because God is saying so much in this passage, just a few verses that I believe would be something that's helpful to us in our walk with the Lord. But when it talks about to open their eyes, to open their eyes, that was really the, I would say, the, uh, the, the point that Paul was making, I guess the assignment that God had given him in relation to the people, to the, uh, to the Gentiles in particular. And he was really saying, you talk about opening their eyes, he's talking about bringing them to a place of awareness. This has to do with awareness. When you talk about opening their eyes, the truest definition of opening their eyes, awareness uh, would be, we talk about this word woke. We talk about woke today, but the truest definition of that word is, in fact, awareness, being made aware, understand. And it, it is really saying that there was a time when they were not aware and that was a time when he was not aware. But then when we talk about the awakening that occurs within one's life, it is saying that there's something that happens, there's an occurrence 
that takes place in one's life where that person becomes aware of things that he or she was not aware of beforehand. Now, remember the scripture when, uh, when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and when, they, uh, when Eve had, l- had listened to the serpent and had she had eaten of the forbidden fruit and she gave it to her husband who was with her. And the Bible says, then their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. And what were their eyes open to? Their eyes were open to their nakedness. In other words, they were not aware of their nakedness, but they were then aware of their nakedness. We talk about woke or wakened or being made aware. It's not just those things of the spirit that cause one to become aware, but we can also see the same thing occurs when it comes to sin. Sin can also bring one to a place of awareness. There are some things that you ought not be seeing (laughs) that you begin to see as a result of violating God's prohibitions. When you step over the line, then there are things that you see that you ought not see. And, and, and understand what sin does. Sin uncovers. It uncovered them. That's what the scriptures have to understand. Because they were aware of their nakedness. Because beforehand they were covered. But look, look what sin did. Sin uncovered them and then exposed them. The same sin now. First of all, it uncovered them. And then the sin exposed them, and that's bad, isn't it? Taking the cover off, then exposing them, and then taunted them for what, what it caused them to become. They were taunted. They were ridiculed. They were exposed. But the reason, first of all, the covering of grace was removed from their lives, and then the very one that exposed them was taunting them. He is the accuser of the brethren after he has caused one to engage in the things that God said not to engage in. So we talk about this whole thing of being uncovered. I'm doing all this to kind of lay the groundwork of what I'm going to share later on. It, it, it is saying they became overly self-conscious. That's what happened. They became overly self-conscious. And now, now, now there's something about this word self-consciousness because we understand we need to be aware of self. We need to uh, learn ourselves, but we learn of ourselves in light of what God reveals to us about himself, and they show us ourselves through his lenses. But when we talk about self-awareness, self-consciousness apart from God, what it's talking about, it says this self-awareness leads to selfishness, because now the focal point is the individual. The focal point is the person that is standing there, because now that person becomes so conscious of self and, 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 this, and, and thinking, and that's really a perception of self. The perception that that individual has of self is that there's always something wrong and something out of order. And now they become predisposed in trying to correct that thing that's, they see it that's out of order. And uh, the thing that they are working and attempting with all of their efforts, all of their might to correct. It's like a person, they begin to tell you, this thing is wrong. Uh, this thing, you see, you have, I, I, I've done it too. You get to a place where he said, somebody, she might tell, my wife may tell me, she said, look, you got a spot on your, on, on, on your clothes here. And then I'm, I have a message to deliver. Now my thinking, now there's nothing wrong with 
instead of remove, if I'm thinking, if she don't remove it, I'm thinking about, well, I got to, they see the spot. Let's, let's cover the spot. No, I got to deliver a message. Your, your, your hair, you got, you got a thing standing on top of your hair. <laughs> but, but right now, but let, I got a message to deliver. I, I, you see, but, but self-consciousness in all of us, working in all of us, will cause us to, our attention is deflected from the thing that's most important to something that's not so important at all, something that's pretty much insignificant, but yet that becomes the focal point. So the person becomes so wrapped up in self and so self-aware, this thing of self-awareness, then that person then is preoccupied with uh, thinking of what can I do, what am I not doing, and whatever. And it, it, it develops phobias, and all kind of other things begin to happen. So, 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 so with this, we realize that uh, God wants to bring us to a place where we, are, we, we have a healthy attitude, a healthy attitude of self, but yet not to think of self too strongly or to think more highly of self or to think too lowly of self, but to have a healthy attitude concerning ourselves. So, so uh, self, yet uh, when a person moves into this realm, even though selfishness has taken place, they themselves are unaware of their selfishness. They're unaware of their own selfishness, you see, because now we get to the place of understanding uh, this consciousness, uh, this, uh, this word. We're still dealing with the definition. It has to do with consciousness. It has to do with realization, recognition, or to recognize a particular thing. All this has to do with the whole thing of awareness, recognition of a particular thing. Now, what's the antidote? See, we, 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 you see, I'm going to talk about it. See, you have to present the, the problem before you can move into the solution. You have to be clearly, you have to be clear on what the problem is before you can bring about any kind of solution or resolve to the problem. And, and that's really where I, 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 what God was placed in my heart, even as I was preparing uh, to minister, uh, to understand the antidote of this whole thing, the antidote. Well, the, the Bible says, and in fact, you can put it up uh, on Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, because in this particular scripture, it helps us to understand uh, what God requires of us. He talks about if any man, he said, if anyone desired to come after me, if anyone desired to come after me, he said, let him first do what? He must deny himself. Did you see this? We talk about self-awareness, self-consciousness. We talk about a person that's focusing his or her attention upon self. But then the Scripture says, look at what it says, if anyone desire. Now watch, this word come after me is very, is very powerful too. If you desire, look at the first word, desire, the passion, the desire to come after him. Now, this word coming after can also imply pursuing him. It has to do with pursuing him. If anyone desires to pursue me with a passion whereby you want to be with me. You see, that's also one way of looking at this. They come after. And another, to follow my example. If anyone desires to follow my example, if anyone 
desire to become as I am and follow my example, to use me as the example. He said, this is something he must do. He must first, he, let him first deny himself. That's the very opposite of the other. He said, let him deny himself. Now, that's a tall order because you think about it, to deny yourself. In other words, you're putting yourself in, in, in a place whereby it's not all about you. But he says, deny yourself, deny yourself. In other words, how can I deny myself lest something greater or someone greater replace itself? But he says, you're coming after me. You're pursuing me. So therefore, the Lord, God, Jesus Christ himself is greater than self. I must, now, you see, we talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it has to do with coming to the place whereby now I see his agenda, I see him and his agenda as being more important and being more significant than my own agenda. That's what it's really saying. So now I'm denying myself and I'm, I, I'm embracing him and he empowers me to deny myself. If he's not in first place, you best believe self-denial will never take place. But it's only through putting him in place Will I be empowered to deny myself? So he says, so now I deny myself. I deny myself. Now if I deny myself, then I must take up my cross and follow. I must take, now he is saying I must, take the, I must take the bumps. I must take the bruises. I must, you see, whatever comes my way, the challenges of life that come my way that are there not to destroy me but to perfect me. Because the cross is not here to destroy me. The cross is here to perfect me. Because what happens? I'm setting my sights on things above. And he's getting all of these things about self out of me. But the only way to do it, I must take up the cross and follow him. Because Jesus bore the cross. And what happens? Now self-denial has to do. The cross I'm bearing is not merely for myself. But I'm bearing this cross. Because I realize that as I bear the cross, some, that there's going to be character developed within me that's going to be a blessing to those that God would allow me to have influence with. So that's what he's saying here. So, so now, watch what happens. Now we talk, about, we talk about this awareness. Now he brings us to a place where we rightly perceive a thing. Our perception shifts. You see, now, now understand, the situation might not change, but our perception shifts, awakened. That's what he says. Now we wait. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. He says, so now you reach this place of awareness. There's a perceptual, a perceptual shift that takes place within that life. Now the reason this is important is because this is really what has to happen with a believer. With a believer. We talk about believer. We talk about sainthood. A person that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when they come to the place where now their hearts and their lives are committed to him completely. You see, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but now evidence is being provided that I do believe in him because now I'm living my life in such a way that it's not about me, but it's all about him. You know, that's a saint, set apart, sanctified, set apart for God's exclusive use. You hear Sunday's message, set apart for God's exclusive use. So now I'm not just a believer, but in that, that particular point, I become a saint. You see, I'm perceiving things rightly. And then here's what happens. The first thing he does, 
You see, our perception of, of, of what God would have said, you see, now we see our problem. We, we are at a place where we see we have a problem, we have a problem, having a problem, because there are many that have problems, most have problems, but they're unaware of the fact that they have problems. You, you see? And, and, and then, listen to this now. And even if they were partial to see the problem because of the fact that they have not been spiritually awakened, their perception of their problem is not as accurate as it ought to be. He says, I want you to see your problem, but I want you to see me as you see the problem because I'm going to show you your problem and I'm going to show you who I am because I am the answer to the problem that you have that you're encountering within your life, but you never see. So, so, so we're getting a place of understanding that there's a many, we talk about awaken. He says, he revealed himself to Saul, he says, to open their eyes, to make them aware of their problem. But he first of all had to make Paul, make Saul aware of his problem. <laughs> see, Saul could not be used mightily by the Lord Jesus Christ who appeared to him unless the Lord made, uh, made Saul aware that Saul had a problem. He says, until, we get, until I address your problem, then you can't be used to address their problem. So he showed him his problem. He said, what's your problem? He, he, said, he said, you're self-righteous. <laughs> you see, you're religious, but, but you're self-righteous. You see, you, you rely upon your pedigree. You rely upon your education. You rely upon the things that you have attained and achieved over the years. He said, so that's your problem. But I have, I'm opening your eyes because I'm going to use you so that their eyes might be open. But I can't do it for them until, first of all, I do it to you. So that's what he's really saying. He says, I want to open your eyes. I want to open your eyes so that you can be used to open other people's eyes. Now, I hope this is a lesson to all of us. That's what God does. He says, so the process we go through is necessary so that we can become effective ministers. He says, so we open the eyes so that other eyes may be open. You see, because what happens if your eyes are open, you're not aware of your need for a Savior. You won't even see the need for a Savior. And, and here the word Savior means that you have reached a point where there's nothing you can do about what God has made known to you. There's nothing you can do about what God has made known to you. That, 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 that your efforts, your abilities cannot rescue you from the situation you find yourself in. Now, now understand this. So therefore, you need a Savior. This word Savior, uh, if, if you go deeper into it, it has to do with a deliverer. Are you with me now? It is a, you needed a deliverer. So deliverance comes as a result of salvation. You see, you are being delivered from the power of darkness from the power of sin, the power of Satan unto God. He delivers us. So a deliverer must come. A deliverer must come. You see, deliverance ministry, I mentioned the other day, is not just casting out demons. But the first act of deliverance is hearing the Word of God to open your eyes so that you begin to see 
things from a different perspective. So now, look at what he's saying here. He says, so now, when we talk about a Savior, salvation are because a Savior is the one that saves us. So now we, he begins to compare. Jesus Christ did. Look at the miracles now. He is comparing spiritual blindness to, spiritual, to physical blindness. He began to look at physical blindness, and he deal, he, it's really when the miracles occurred, it was really a parallel to something that occurred in the, in the physical, in, in, the, in the spiritual realm. He says, you're to open eyes of the blind. But let me tell you what I can do. This is the Lord now. This is the Lord. Here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. He said, when Jesus departed from there, watch this, two blind men followed him. Watch what he said. He said, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of man, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe? Watch this here. Look like he's giving invitation. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He said, now watch what he said. Do you believe that I, not that, do you believe that you can see again? Do you believe, bishop, apostle, praise God for you. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able? So watch what he's saying. He's saying, that's a paradigm shift. I'm taking you away from the problem to the solution. You see, I'm taking you from the problem to the solution. I'm asking you, you've been blind for a while. Both of them, he said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, now understand, that, that's, a, that's a tall order. If you can believe that I am able to do this, then watch what he says here. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. <laughs> you see that? Yes, Lord. That's all it took. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He said, they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Now, suppose they had said something different. Suppose they had said, I don't believe you can do it. See, I don't believe you can do it. First of all, when, when they departed, two blind men followed him. They followed around. They cried, son of David, have mercy on us. And, and then after all that, he said, now, when he says, they're asking for mercy. He said, I'll have mercy on you. Now go your way. But now, what do you want? I want to receive my sight. I want to receive my sight. So Jesus said, do you believe I can do it? And they said, yes, Lord. He said, okay, that's all it took. That's all it took. He touched their eyes, and their eyes were open. They could see. Do you see it? He just touched their eyes, and when he touched his eyes, saying, and then he says to them, according to what you just said concerning what you believe I can do, he said, let it be done unto you. You said I can do it. So because if you really believe I can do it, according to your faith, it's done. And their eyes, and immediately their eyes were opened. And, and then Jesus sternly warned them, saying, now, they messed up. They, 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 they didn't follow his instruction. See that no one knows it. Now, you know they. <laughs> See that no one knows it. But when they departed, they spread the news about him in all the country. <laughs> he said, don't tell nobody. Okay. Lord, I'm telling you. 
They told everybody about what the Lord had in fact done. Now, let's go back. Let's go back and look at what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Lord's ability, and we talk about our being awakened to the reality of his power. Look what he says here. Now, when we talk about being woke or being awakened, let me say something here. Ignorance is no excuse. You see, because I didn't know, because I'm not awakened, because I have not come to realization, because if the knowledge is there, I've said it many times, we are available not for just what we know, we are responsible for the availability of the knowledge in revelation that God has made available. If God made it available to us, we're responsible to get it. Whether you get it or not is up to you because it's out there for you to get. So he says here, ignorance is not an excuse. A person that is unaware of the liability of a violation of the law is not exempt from the law attached to his violation. So it is really saying that some people say, well, I didn't know that this thing would cause this particular thing to happen in my life. You're still guilty. Go to the court and tell them that. You, you, you say, well, I ran the light. I know I ran the light, but I didn't know because uh, I'm from another place and, and, and we, don't, we pause at lights. We don't stop at lights. We just pause at them. They say, well, I, I did that in California. I was in California. <laughs> I was in California. My cousin, he, he's, now with, he's deceased now, Myron, was with me. Me and Myron were together. And we were riding in, in, in L.A., first time in L.A., Remember that, Myron? First time in the day, riding down, down, I think it was in Hollywood. I think it was Hollywood. We ride down Hollywood, and we're looking at all these lights, all this stuff in Hollywood. And, and I'm driving about 10 miles to, and I'm just, just cars all behind me. Did you see, Myron, did you see that? Did you see that? They see, you know, lights on me. I said, no, I know I'm not speeding. What is it? He said, we have a speed limit here. And the speed limit is not just going too fast. But you could also get a ticket for going too slow. I had no clue of that. So I, I, plead, I pleaded the, uh, I pleaded the you know, ignorance. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know it. So then I, I pulled something on him. I said, I, I said, you know Rufus Brown Jr.? I said, Lieutenant Rufus Brown Jr.? That's my cousin. That's my cousin. I said, he's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant here in LAPD. He said, well, I want you to go back to your cousin's house and you ask him to teach you the rules of the law. <laughs> but the same thing applies to all of us. You see, if we don't know the rules, we got to learn the rules. If you don't show up in church and get instructions, you're still responsible for the instructions that you didn't get. Am I making sense here? You're responsible regardless because God made it available to you. So now, these violations. Now, Paul, Paul recognized this concerning himself because he looked at his own violations. He looked at his own sin. He looked at his own shortcomings. And now, as he moved forward, as I do, we look in retrospect to what we were at one time, to what we have become and what we are yet becoming. You see, God is taking us from where we were to where we are but the objective is to take us beyond where we currently are because some stuff is still in us that God has yet to work out of us. So he says here, and this is in the, in the uh, Amplified, 
This is Paul talking in, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13. He says, though I formerly blasphemed, uh, I blasphemed our Lord, of our, uh, I blasphemed our Lord, and persecuted, and was shamefully, and outrageously, and aggressively, this is the, in the message paraphrase, you can put that one, they can see it right, it, outrageously, and aggressively insulting to him. That's what it says about it. This is where I was. This is where I was. He says, but nevertheless, he said, this is where I was, but then he says, but nevertheless, ah, I obtained mercy because I acted out of ignorance. I did it because I was stupid. I acted out of ignorance in unbelief. I did what I did. I, I like that one too. The, 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 I didn't do this one. This is the message paraphrase. The only credentials I brought to it were invective and witch hunting and arrogance, but I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know who I was doing it against. That's what he was saying. Thank you for that paraphrase, but uh, I, I was reading out of the Amplified, but that's a good one too. But that's what he was saying here. So some people think ignorance is bliss. They think, they, they pride, take pride in ignorance. I'm proud, I don't know. I don't know and I don't care to know. That people have that attitude. They don't know and they don't care to know because they know that if they, if they gained a particular degree of knowledge, they realize that there would be a greater responsibility placed upon their shoulders. So they figure that as long as I don't know about it, as long as I don't know about it, that's all that really matters. He said, so don't tell me. You see, uh, I, if we said, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Remember, they're monkeys, though. They were monkeys. <laughs> That's what they were. They were monkeys. They weren't human. They were monkeys. So, so, so be careful that you don't be like a monkey. So, so, so he says, I don't know and I don't care to know. I would much rather not know particular thing. So therefore, people avoid information and knowledge. That which will perfect them, that which will bring them to a new place of understanding, they avoid it like it's a plague. Because they say, if, if, I, if I knew, it, it, will stay, it will stand in the way of them doing what they would much rather be doing. So, so, so uh, now we're getting to understand where God, he brings us into the house of God. He brings us together because there are certain things he wants to teach us. There are certain things he wants to instruct us in. And, and, and here's how he puts it here. And, and one scripture in particular here in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, 17 rather, in Hebrews uh, 13, 17, he tells us, now I want to I clarify this because I don't want you to think I'm talking primarily about myself. I, I don't want you to think that, but there's something in this that pertains to me and pertains to all of us who are teachers. Obey them that have rule over you. Obey them that have rule over you. When it says rule over you, it is saying that when we speak a word, we cover you. You see, we cover you. We cover you through speaking the word of God. That's your covering. We mentioned earlier about Eve and Adam and Eve, where they, they were what? They were naked. They were uncovered. Now, look at your covering. Look at your covering now. Obey them that 
covers you. Obey them that has rule over you. There's something about that covering. There's something about that rule that's a protection. It's a safeguard. He says, obey them that have rule over you. And he says, and submit yourselves. Uh, and now, now, it doesn't say just submit. That, that's not, not this kind of stuff that some people are involved in where they just, they're, they're just, their lives are controlled and someone tell them who to marry, who, who, what to eat and everything. No, we're not saying that. We're saying, as Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow, take up your cross, take the lumps, take the bumps. He says, so submit to them. But here's the point I want to make. For they watch for your souls. Now, underscore that. For they watch. When he says they watch, they oversee, they superintend. In fact, the word bishop, that whole word episcopus, it actually means that. Uh, scopus has to do with seeing. You see, epi, it has to do with the fact that they provide oversight. That's what he says. And, and, and then if you go deeper into that word, you'll begin to see that it has to do with visitation. When it says, uh, you hear me preach before about when, uh, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, and he says, and he began to weep over Jerusalem, and he began to say that uh, you didn't know the day of your visitation. He says, so earth uh, will be, uh, earth borders and walls will be built around you and you will be destroyed. One rock not standing higher than the other because you didn't know the day of your visitation. The same word is used, episcopos. You didn't know your bishopric. You didn't know your covering. You didn't know. So what it was really saying here that it has to do with oversight, episcopal. That word also, episcopal church, episcopalian, all of that is connected. It has to do with covering. It has to do with covering, spiritual covering, spiritual oversight, bishop. That's what it's saying. They bishop for you. They watch over your soul. They bishop over your souls. So he says, so now, uh, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, that's always a hard message to preach when you're the pastor, but it's a necessary message to preach. To understand, they provide, uh, they give account, they must give an account, they watch for your souls, and they want to do it not with grief, for it's unprofitable if that is not the case. So watch, and, and, and here's another thing I want you to see about this word, watch for your soul. They care for your souls. Watch care. You know, a person comes to a place, they said, uh, watch care. Watch care. They're watching and caring for your soul. So it's really saying that the objective here is to see some things that you probably are not seeing. Because when you say, follow me, to follow means that you're moving into, uh, your, into territory that you're not moved into beforehand. There's some new, there's aspirations taking place within your life. You see, there are some things that's uncommon that you're going to experience as you begin to move in this direction. But if you're already familiar, understand what I mean. Pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, and then the problems that, 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 that accompany that attitude are there because of the fact that you've not moved from the position that you once occupied to the position that God would have you to occupy. So watching, watching, watch care, watch for your souls. Now, I'm going to show you something else about that word, too, because uh, uh, there are many things uh, uh, we could talk about. But here's we talk about the soul. I want to talk about the soul for a minute, though. Uh, the soul. Watch for your souls. What importance? 
what is the significance of the soul? What, what value can you place upon a soul? I can't see it. I can't eat it. So what's the big deal about my soul? What's the soul? You know the thing of Falstaff, remember the, 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 the movie uh, where, where uh, they sold their soul for success? And many do that even today. But there's an old thing, this guy they, where he sold and his soul was caught in a tree. Remember that? They made many depictions of that many times over and over again. But you see, when you don't value your soul, but you place something else as being more important than your souls, then it's very easy to, to give up your soul in order for success. But they said they watch so that you'll have the right attitude concerning the things that you don't even see yourself. You see, not, not now, a, 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 a common misconception of the soul is to equate the soul as being the same as the spirit. There's a difference between the soul and the spirit. In, in biblical terms, even though both are invisible, both are eternal and deep, they are distinctly different. The Bible talks about in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it, it, it says this, Hebrews 12, 4, it talks about, it said the Word of God is what? It is quick and it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, watch what it's saying here. It is the Word of God, like a, like a sword. It pierces to the dividing of what soul and spirit. So, now you see a division between the two, soul and spirit. I won't get into joints and marrow, discerning of thoughts and intent. Let's stay right there with soul and spirit alone. And let's begin to dig a little deeper into understanding the difference between the two. The human spirit is essentially the same as the heart or the will. In other words, it is the inner core of your being. That's what you're talking about. So you see, the, 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 we look at that particular part. It is the inner core. It, it is the inner core of your being. So now we talk about the spirit, the heart of the individual. Your heart is involved. But the soul is the larger and most encompassing aspect of that person. So now we see the soul. Uh, one scholar, one Hebrew scholar talked about uh, the difference. He's, he was asking, what is my soul? And he answered, the soul is the person. This is why the new uh, in the NIV often translates it as being my whole being. In the NIV, it calls it my whole being. So, so in the Hebrew, the word for soul is, uh, is any F-E-S-H, nefesh, nefesh. See, some of y'all that hear that, that, that's Hebrew in, in that. Which really mean, now watch this, I never heard that before. It, it talks about the, the throat. You studied that before? It talks about the throat. It said that the soul is the throat. Now, now you begin to wonder, how can you put that as a throat? What does the soul have to do with the throat? It is the throat. It explains it this way. Because we look at the breathing, breathing apparatus. We look at how we breathe. We look at how we, 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 we inhale and exhale air. You see that? So, so when you look at this word throat in the Old Testament, it, it refers to the soul probably because our breath flows through our throat. It comes through our throat. So, so look at what happened. God breathed into man the breath of life. It went into his throat. Then man became 
a living being. You see, then man became a living being. But if you get that throat, how do you kill somebody? All you got is hold that throat. And they're going to die. You see, because understand, that breathing comes in and out through your throat. That's what he's really saying here. So, so God, you see, so now we begin to see what he's saying. So he says, my soul longs after you. He said, look, at, from, from my throat, from the depth of my heart, from, and then my soul is involved. Because my breath comes out of my throat. And, 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 and I love the way the Bible puts it. He talks, about, he talks about my soul, the soul of a man. This is what uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 63 and 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Then he says, you throw it out, my lungs, my, my, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Oh, my throat is dry. I'm longing for you. I'm longing for you. I want you. I want you more than anything. You see what happened? That, that's some deep. That's deep. That's that soul, because now all the breath, that song they just came out, and my lungs, I, I don't know the words of it, Janet, what is it? And my lungs, and uh, y'all sing it a lot. Huh? And my lungs, and, you know, when I first heard that song, I said, yeah, but your breath in my lungs, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, that's true, that's true. So, so, so now, but look at the difference. Look at the difference. When you don't understand that, then the soul loathes the approach of God when you're disobedient, when you're disobedient. That's why, that's why Adam and Eve hid themselves. Because the same God that breathed breath into their nostrils and they became a living soul. The word spoken produces breath and life. And now what are they doing? They're doing the same thing people do today. They're hiding from life. They're hiding from life themselves. So people think that they are, you see, you see, it's really my people perish. There you go. They're running away from life. A lot of folk think they're doing a favor. You say, well, I'll come to your church. Yeah, you, you can talk me into it. I'll come. I'll come this Sunday, but don't expect me to come next Sunday. Like they're doing me a favor. You, 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 you follow? Now, I do want, because I want to see you live. I want to see you, you, you see. But I also realize, I realize that I need the breath of God. I need, I need you. I need, you see, what happens when we are, when human beings and trees interact with one another, something happens. When lot, you see, uh, when things happen, there, there's the oxygen and there, there are certain things that Exchanged as a result. These scientists know more than I do about that. But you see what I mean? There's something taking place between nature and man, which where oxygen, the carbon dioxide, and all of that is happening. But, but, but you see, the same thing. When I hear the word of the Lord, and I'm in fellowship with my brothers and sisters, there's something that's happening on the inside of me. There's something that's happening. There's a dynamic that occurs as a result of the fellowship. Now, I, I, I've been emphasizing this because, as I mentioned earlier, these are the last of the last days, and the enemy is throwing this thing out here where people are being deceived, and they're, and they're becoming more selfish than ever before. So therefore, we have to go strong in this thing to tell people, look, man, you, you guys understand what the devil is trying to do to you. 
Now, now your soul, your soul will outlive your body. Your soul will outlive your body. Uh, the question is, why should I care? Now, watch what he says to you now. There are certain things you must do in relation to your soul. There are certain things you must do in relation to your soul. You must understand something about the dynamics of your soul so you'll know something about soul care. Soul care. Here's Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. It says, it's, it says here, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Lest you enter into temptation. Watch. Remember, we watch for your souls. Now he's telling you to watch. We oversee, we superintend, we provide oversight, but understand when your eyes are open, God has given you sight. You see, we provide oversight, but your eyes must be open. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's the primary scripture that we are learning here tonight. So now, look here. He has given when your eyes are opened. When your eyes are opened, then there are certain things that you have been made, you're capable of seeing. You couldn't see it when you were in darkness. They, when you're in darkness, what do you do? You feel your way around. You, you stumble around. You see, when the, when in darkness, you feel you well. It all has to do with sensing. But when your eyes open, you see. Now watch what he says here. Watch what he says here. He says here that uh, 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 here's how he does it. He says, I want you to know that as you are, uh, yeah, this is Matthew 26, 41. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch, watch, and pray. Watch, eyes open. You couldn't watch unless you have some light. Because of the fact that you've been enlightened, watch, watch, watch. Look out for certain things that's coming your way. It's coming. It's coming. But you watch. You be alert. He's calling you to attention. He says, watch. Watch. And, and then pray. He didn't just say pray. Don't pray. Don't pray. Don't pray. And your eyes are closed. Your heads are down. And, and you go through life that way. He says, observe. Look what's going on. There are times you still, you, you, you still away with the Lord and you close your eyes and trust him. But, but you better be aware of your environment. That's one of the things we learn. Look around and see who's out here and what's going on all around you. Watch. Watch, watch what's happening around you, but also pay attention to what's going on on the inside of you. What's happening? How are you being impacted by the things that's happening? You see, if you don't think you're being influenced, you're already deceived. But how are those things around you influencing you? If everybody's moving this way, it doesn't make it much easier for you to move in the same direction. Watch. What did God say? Watch and, and then pray. Because when you pray, you get, a, you, get, you get his perspective. Watch and pray. Lord, this is what's happening. These things are going on, but I need your perspective. 
I need the light from heaven to shine down on me so that I can get the right perspective. Because first he said, watch and pray. He says, lest you enter into temptation. He says, because if you're not, if you're just praying, you may enter in. And if you're just watching, you may enter in. But you got to do both of them. You have to watch and pray lest you Unless you enter in, unless you step over the, the threshold, over the portal into temptation, and you wonder, how did I get here? How did this thing happen? Because you ain't watching. That thing was setting you up all the while. It was being set up before your very eyes, but you weren't paying attention to it. See, you were t- you're thinking you already knew your way around. You're thinking that you already had all the answers. And all the while, the enemy is setting up some things for your demise. He says, you better be watchful. He says, and then pray. And Lord, I need your wisdom because even though I see a thing happening, I don't trust and rely upon my own strength. I cannot rely upon my own strength. In other words, my confession before you, Lord, is in my flesh. I'm too weak. I'm too weak. I can't handle this thing. But I'm praying. I need your strength. So you watch and pray lest you find yourself entering into a temptation that you can't handle. He said, now that thing just took over, and you wonder, how did I get into this mess? Because you ain't been watching, and you've not been praying, and then you've not been allowing the oversight that has been provided to provide guidance for your life. Because the covering is, while, while you're praying, we're praying for you. And then when we speak, when I speak to you, we speak to you, we're preaching, we mentioned before, out of what? There you go, out of the overflow. We're preaching out of what God has made known out of our time with him concerning you. So now he says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He said, the spirit now, why is the spirit willing? Because the spirit is that part of you. You see, that, that's another part. You see, the spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. Indeed is willing. The Spirit indeed is willing. You say, look, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I love you, Lord. I give my heart. And whatever I did 40 years ago, that ought to suffice for what's happening now. No, the Spirit is willing. But you got old something you're carrying around with you. That's that flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. What are we doing? How are we doing? We're still good. Okay. The flesh is weak. And that's the thing that's getting you in trouble. It is the flesh. So, so now, as we begin to look at all things in life affect the soul in one way or the other. Everything in life affects the soul. Because what is the soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So everything in life affects your soul in one way or another, or to one degree or the other. So when we as I was studying this, the Lord began to show me some things I hadn't seen before. Because uh, uh, we talk about soul. Your soul is your emotional center. It is your emotional center. It is the central figure, the central part of your emotions. And, and understand, people have emotional imbalances and all the things that take place emotionally. Your soul, your psyche is that part that uh, is where that problem uh, occurs. So, so you, you, here's what you have to do. There are some people that have given their heart 
to the Lord, but they had not allowed their souls to be, uh, re, uh, to be renewed. They've not given their souls to the Lord. But the Bible says, I love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and the little strength you have, and with all of your strength. Put it all out there. Give it all to the Lord. He said, you got to give it all to him. So he says here, so when you give it all to him, you understand. So if you give him all, now let, let me show you something that you probably hadn't seen, is that here's what you can do. Come to church now. Just come to church ain't all, oh, that's not all there is to it. Because you can be involved in what I call soul worship. Soul worship is religion, is a religious experience void of a, 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 a new or cleansed heart. You see, you can be involved in soul religion or soul spirituality and not even be saved. And, and shout and run and jump because you understand, my soul is happy. When, when, when you say a particular thing, especially a B3, you know, they don't make them no more, but they breathe through organ, man, that'll make you, you talk about your soul rejoicing. They can hit that note, man, and that'll cause something to happen on the inside of your soul. So now, you see, soul, soul religion, soul religion. But God wants you to have a new and a cleansed heart, spirit. You see, he, he wants you to have a clean heart. He wants you to have a renewed heart, a new heart. You want to place a new heart on the inside of you. That's why, back to what I've been teaching on Sunday mornings, conversion is so important. People got to be saved. They got to be saved, even those that attend churches. You got to get saved. You have to be saved. So now, watch what he says here. As we look at this whole thing of the soul. So, so soul worship, that's feeling, feeling, religious feelings. I feel religious today, but it's all of those things are all about the self. It's all about me. I'm getting my blessing. I'm, I, I, God, do this for me. Me, my, 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 my. Lord, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to, you see, it's all about what you can get from God to do for you. That in and of itself, as that's as far as you go, you're involved in soul religion. And, 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 and don't be insulted by people calling you soul brother. They say all you do is you, you're just good for the move. You're good for the movement. No, we got more. We got content. We're people of substance as well. I don't want you to ever get to a place of thinking that that's all you're about is, is externals and, and the emotionals and things like that. No, you also... You have to be people of content. You can handle a message that will challenge your, your mind, your thinking, will, emotions, to bring you to a place where there's a greater degree of hunger to go after God. So now, that's feeling, to, you see, to serve me and my interests. That's what it's talking about. Uh, what do you, here's a question. What do you want God to do for you? I want God to bless me. I want God to do that. You see, all of us have wants and desires. I'm not, ever, I'm not trying to put that down, but I, it can't just be that. Somewhere down the line, it has to do, what do you want, Lord? What do you want? I like that thing that, uh, that uh, it was John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? Lord, what can I do for you? Wouldn't that shock God? 
with a shot. With a shock of death, when, when the call, call come in, Dad, I'm not asking for something. I want to know what I can do for you. Some of y'all will have a heart attack. <laughs> Your kids call you from school. <laughs> what can I do for you? I just want to call and tell you I love you. <laughs> so, so, so you see what I mean? Sometimes that has, to be, that has to be primary in our hearts and our lives to go after God for his sake and not just for something that we want from him. So, so, so now I want you to see. Uh, now we talk about a heartless soul. When the heart, a heartless soul is a person that's hyper-emotional. When the soul, all you have is soul, feelings, whatever, you're hyper-emotional because you wear your feelings on your shoulders or your religion. If you're not having a, a high time, then you feel as God, as if God has, in fact, ab abandoned you. But then there's another one. There's another one. Another side of the story is a soulless heart. <laughs> you heard that? A soulless heart is a person that's given their heart to the Lord, but yet they have become numb, emotionless, expressionless. There's nothing. There's nothing. You see, they just got saved and they are preserved. <laughs> <laughs> They're preserved for the coming of the Lord, and that's as far as it goes. So, so in other words, they call it the chosen frozen. <laughs> when they're waiting for the Lord to come back, uh, you see. So, so, so when you lose, that's a soulless heart. You, you got the heart, but you don't have any soul. You, you must be able, you see, we have to be in a place where we have heart and soul. We have heart and soul. That, 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 that people can feel us. When we speak to them, they can feel us. I preached that recently, you know, some months ago about, I want to feel your love. I want to feel the words that you speak. I want those words to envelop my life. So now that's where God wants us to be. Now, look at what he's saying here. So, so we must be able to rightly describe the problem if we're able to point people in the right direction for the solution. You see, to love the Lord is to surrender our all to him. And when we do that, we have to overcome the innate resistance that resides within the soul of fallen men. Did you hear that? We have to overcome the resistance because if we don't know that there is resistance, we'll never overcome it. What am I saying to you? I'm saying is that your soul, before you were converted, resisted. Resisted God, resisted. You didn't even know it was resisted. That's why water finds its own level. When, when you get to the place, you say, look, I'm not getting anything out of this. You know why? Because your soul is resisting, resistant. You get to a place, you say, well, you know, this is boring. That's your soul resisting, you see. Uh, your soul is resisting because it's asking for something that's more palatable rather than that which is more edifying. You see, so, so, so your soul resists because that's one thing. It resists because it's uncommon. One thing, uh, one resistance is because it's uncommon to you. It's something that you're not, you see, our souls, let me, let me just put it this way, and then I'm closing. Okay, okay, how can I put this? Let's go all the way back. How many were born, how many were, were alive in, in, in the early 60s? We got an old church, man. We got, a, <laughs> we got, a, we got an old church. 
Let me think of a song now. Help me with a song. A song from the 60s. Give me a song from the 60s. Give me one. Give me one. Come see about me. She said, come see about me. Okay, come see about me. How many are familiar with that? Come see about me. Oh, you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> you say, see, see, the young folk didn't. <laughs> okay, okay, give me, a, give, give me, that, that's a secular song. Give me a Christian, give me a gospel song from the 60s. No, that's old. That's that's that's, that's him. But 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 the point I'm trying to make is that you, you see what happens now. If if we start playing that song, it's gonna cause some flashback, <laughs> wouldn't it? It's gonna cause some flashback. Come see about me. That's okay. You see, folks start moving around. Why? Because they said, "I remember that. That's my song. That's my song." <laughs> but a person that went back there, you see, they. They say, I don't know why you're getting all excited about that particular song. But it meant something to you because it's your familiar, it's your territory. Now, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the things of spirit, if we, if we introduce you things that are unfamiliar to you, that doesn't align itself with your beat, with your rhythm, with your mood, then it doesn't move you the same way. It doesn't move you the same way. Let me play some Bach in here. I don't know, some of you musicians, I love it. You know, Bach, Chopin, yeah. But, but, but you play some of that stuff in here, and you watch and see how some folks, man, get that turn that stuff off. But, but you see, certain ones that are musically trained, we understand the skill and, and, and all that's involved in the movements and all this kind of stuff. You sit back, and it really does something different. But if you're not accustomed to it, you say, man, turn that mess off. But you don't realize it took more to make that one than it did Come See About Me or James Brown. You know, <laughs> the rhythm of James. You see, but, but, but you see, so, so when it comes to the things of God, the point I'm making, when it comes to the things of God, we gravitate towards our familiar. That's the point I'm trying to make. We gravitate towards our familiar. We gravitate towards our familiar because it relates to what? The soul. The soul. But understand, when you're born again, then there's a retooling, there's a refashioning that occurs within one's life. Then when you hear something that may be foreign to you, but it came from God and your spirit can identify then your soul aligns itself with the newness and the freshness of that which is being presented to you. I'm going to quit here. I'm going to quit. I praise God for your word, Lord, and we thank you that you're helping us to understand some things that we did not understand. And Our objective is to have eyes that are open, our eyes to be open. Realize, Lord, that even as was said concerning those that have eyes, but they do not see, and ears, but they could not hear, and hearts that they could not perceive because they've closed their eyes, and their hearts have become hardened. 
But here, Lord, we believe that the message preached will break down the barriers that reside within the hearts of many so that they can begin to see with you what you see, that we might participate with you in what you're doing. So with that, Lord, we give you the honor and we give you the praise. And may what is being said in this house affect the lives of people all over. Those that will hear online, those that will hear later, Lord, regardless, since it's your word and it's a life that you desire for us to live, may it impact the lives and be an alarm clock within the heart and souls of those who are asleep. So with this, we give you praise, honor, and you receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.